This episode includes discussion of murder, as well as brief mentions of rape and domestic violence. Listener discretion advised. Welcome to episode 118 of Kentucky History and Haunts. I'm your host, Jesse Bartholomew, and I have to start by admitting that I have made a big mistake. I was going through all the old episodes, like from number one, all the old ones I've ever done, and I was going to number them so that it would be easier to refer back to episodes I've done in the past, and you guys could just scroll back and find it. While I was doing that, I I accidentally deleted an episode, and it was one of the ones right at the beginning, and so I can't find the notes on it to re-record it, and instead of just redoing the whole thing, I'm just going to adjust the episode numbers. So before today's episode, if you hear me refer to another episode by its number, just know that it might be off by one. I am so sorry for the confusion, but from now on, going forward, they will all be numbered and referred to correctly. Okay, today's episode was a listener suggestion from someone very familiar with this story. I'm going to talk about the unsolved murder of Chantel Humphreys, and listener Brock recommended this case because Brock's grandfather is the person who found Chantel Humphreys' body on his farm. Now, this case ended up causing a lot of tension between both state and local police, uh, the judges that were involved, uh, the Commonwealth's attorney who prosecuted the case. It was really dramatic. It uh, created a lot of problems between these different entities. So let's get into it. This is the murder of Chantal Humphreys. On June 25th, 2002, a farmer, Brock's grandfather, found a body in one of his pastures adjacent to Bearfield Road about five miles northeast of Cadiz, Kentucky. The body was transported to the West Kentucky Regional Forensic Center in Madisonville, where she was identified as 33-year-old Chantel Humphreys. An autopsy would be conducted the following afternoon. Investigators combed the area where Humphreys was discovered until 4 a.m. the following morning. They, along with other residents of Cadiz and all of Trigg County, were so surprised by this murder. It was the first in Trigg County in nearly two decades. The family of Chantel Humphreys was especially shocked. They said they had no idea who would have wanted to hurt her. She was described as a local girl who, quote, didn't have a bad past. She was married, had three children, two sons and a daughter, and a grandchild. Following the autopsy, the medical examiner announced it hadn't helped him determine time or location of death, so those details were still fuzzy. They really had more questions than answers. The medical examiner did reveal to the public that she had been shot multiple times and that a gunshot wound to the chest was what killed her. By this point, the Trigg County Sheriff's Office had stepped in to assist local Cadiz police. And then there was nothing in the newspapers for months about this case. It just went totally quiet until late November 2002 when the Paducah Sun announced that the police had arrested a suspect. On November 20th, they arrested 26-year-old Claude Russell. They had been watching him for a while. Uh, He was 
definitely on their radar, he was charged with one count of murder and bond was set at $100,000. No additional information was released to the public at that time. So everyone's wondering, why did they arrest this Claude Russell guy? A few days later, the police did come out and say that the arrest had been made because of evidence recently returned from testing at an FBI lab. They also revealed that they had kind of been looking at him since the beginning, um, but they were just kind of keeping that under wraps until they got some sort of concrete DNA evidence back, which apparently they had. So during interrogations, uh, Russell did admit that he and Humphreys knew each other. They were acquaintances. So the two lead investigators also at this point revealed that they had been uh, following Russell for the past two days before his arrest, making sure they could make the arrest at a safe location, you know, waiting for the appropriate time. Those lead investigators, by the way, were Detective Michelle Kent and Detective Sergeant Eric Walker, both with the Kentucky State Police. On November 26th, 2002, Claude Russell was arraigned and he pled not guilty. A pretrial hearing was set for December 11th, and December 12th, he was released on bond after Judge Bill Cunningham agreed to lower that number from 100,000 to 50,000. Russell hired an attorney named Charles Hagen Jr., and his next court appearance would be February 12th, 2003. That next court date went well for Claude Russell. The Commonwealth attorney, GLOV, spent that court date convincing the grand jury to dismiss the murder indictment. He told them that the police evidence they had was not enough and that they acted too quickly in arresting him. This is what, this is what the Commonwealth attorney is telling this grand jury. You don't hear that very often. This really surprised uh, Chantel Humphrey's husband, Joel, who said, quote, we thought they had enough to convict. To help the grand jury better understand exactly what kind of evidence they'd collected and, and what they'd done in this investigation, they put Detective Sergeant Eric Walker on the stand for two hours of testimony. And at the end of that day, the jury foreman delivered a two-page report that said, quote, We as the conscience of Trigg County would support the Commonwealth attorney should he desi desire to dismiss the case. It went on, quote, not being critical of anyone or any agency, it appears to this body the arrest was made too quickly and without consulting the Commonwealth attorney or county attorney. So Ovi, the Commonwealth attorney, he felt like the evidence the police had presented connected Russell to Humphreys only to the extent that they knew each other. It, it didn't necessarily show that he had anything to do with her murder just that he may have been with her. Ovi also said that this was the first time in his career that he had taken a case back to a grand jury to reconsider an indictment, okay? So he, he was not doing this lightly. This is something he had never done before. So, uh, oh, the other thing, he said that he started questioning the evidence immediately and that's why he actually encouraged the judge to lower that bond from 100000 to 50000 I mean, he was not confident in this case at all. When asked about this, some of the state police said they were just really disappointed. They felt like they had provided plenty of evidence for a conviction. They said they stood behind his arrest and added, quote, 
we have new evidence that supports that stand. At this point, I should tell you that if the charges were dropped, because he didn't actually go to trial, he could be charged again in the future with the same crime. That's important to remember. Also important to know, he had maintained his innocence this whole time. He never confessed. He always said he knew her, uh, they were friends, he even attended her funeral, but he certainly didn't kill her. And he said he had no motive to kill her. And then his attorney, Charles Hagen Jr., was trying to kind of change the narrative and tell everybody that this was probably drug-related and that his client was nowhere near this. In fact, he said Claude Russell had timesheets from his place of, of business, you know, where he was employed, that can prove that he was at work during the time they believe Chantel Humphreys was murdered. In fact, there was an accident on the way to work that day, and some police officers waved Claude Russell by, and they might even be able to remember that and recognize him and confirm that he was on his way to work that day. So just then, Claude Russell was looking like he had a pretty good alibi. However, if you'll recall, I'm not sure how much weight that part carries because based on the autopsy, we don't know exactly when Chantel Humphreys was murdered. So, you know, could he have done it before or after work? Um, you know, there's some holes in that alibi. In April of 2003, the murder charge against Claude Russell was dismissed. And the newspapers went quiet. There was nothing more about this case for years. Um, I found one from 2007. Chantel Humphreys is mentioned in an article about various Kentucky cold cases. Also in 2007, I think the Kentucky State Police put out a little alert in the newspaper asking for tips if anybody had information, but nothing happened, and it stayed that way until July 2011. Claude Russell was arrested and charged with the murder of Chantel Humphreys again in July of 2011, almost a decade later. He turned himself in to the Trigg County Courthouse, and this time bond was set at $500,000. G.L. Ovi was still the Commonwealth attorney, and he made a statement that several pieces of new evidence had come to light that, quote, filled in the final pieces of the puzzle needed to return a solid indictment on Russell. Russell's arraignment was July 28, 2011, and that day, his attorney, Charles Hagen Jr., had car trouble. They waited for him for two hours, and then finally, Circuit Court Judge C.A. Woodall III said, we can't delay this any longer. Quote, Woodall took extra steps to ensure that Russell's rights were preserved. He advised Russell not to speak and entered a not guilty plea on his behalf. He noted that Hagen probably would have waived the formal reading of the indictment against Russell, but he read the entire document into the court record and noted that capital murder is punishable by 20 to 50 years or life in prison. Ovi said he did not see evidence of aggravated circumstances in the case that would allow him to seek the death penalty. So, um, same Commonwealth attorney, 10 years later, the guy who was trying to convince everybody there wasn't enough evidence to convict is now saying, we've got this guy, we've got everything we need, we should set Bond higher. Um, it's a totally different situation. 
since Bond was much higher this time, I'm pretty sure Russell stayed in jail until his trial, which wouldn't start until August of the following year. It began on August 30th, 2012. A full decade had now passed since the murder. On the first day, 12 witnesses spoke for the prosecution. They included friends of Humphreys, the farmer who found her body, and the coroner. They also talked about items found at the crime scene, including 357 caliber shell casings, one live round, sunglasses, a baseball cap, and slippers. The bullets matched a firearm owned by Claude Russell. The second day included recorded interviews with Russell, testimony from KSP detectives, and crime scene videos and photographs. So. They play these tapes where the two lead detectives ask him repeatedly for permission to let them search his car and his aunt's house. And they're looking for a 357 caliber six shot revolver. So he did eventually give them permission to search and that's how they found that gun. So they met with him again after they found his gun and while it's being tested and they asked him about finding Chantal Humphrey's footprint on one of his car windows. Okay, so that's pre pretty significant. They asked him to explain the grass and cow manure stuck under his car, and they asked him about some marijuana found in the ashtray. And so what we learn now during this first trial is that he admitted in those interviews that Chantel Humphreys had been in his car. Also, they'd had a sexual encounter. But afterwards, he did not kill her. He dropped her off at the home of a woman named Delena Crenshaw. Okay, so all of a sudden, uh, it's looking bad, right? Now, one person who worked at a gas station testified that she saw Humphreys and Russell together in a car on June 24th, 2002. Remember, her body was found on the 25th, okay? So this person saw them together in the car the day before. The gas station employee said that Russell came inside to use the ATM. Humphrey stayed in the car. And here's a big one. A friend of Claude Russell's testified that the day Humphreys was killed, he saw his friend Claude Russell at Arrowhead Car Wash cleaning out the trunk of his car. So back to the admission that, that Russell and Humphreys had consensual sex that day. He said in a taped interview that he only did not tell investigators about that right off the bat because he knew how it looked and he was just scared that that would make him look more guilty. He also said, you know what, we didn't go all the way. Um, he said that he had received oral sex from her, but that was it. And really, they were just friends. That's what he said in the interview. However, a mitochondrial DNA analyst with the FBI testified that semen that almost certainly belonged to Russell had been found inside Humphreys. So, you know, his story is not lining up with the science. And then that begs the question, if they had sex, was it consensual? Uh, he was certainly attempting to make it seem like they were just casual friends who occasionally messed around. But keep in mind, she was married with kids. And from her friends and family's description of her, that doesn't sound like something she would do. 
Um, so that's just something to think about. Back to the gun. Uh, you know, plenty of people carry 357 caliber guns. However, Eric Smith from the FBI was able to tie the eight shell casings and one live round at the scene to Claude Russell's revolver specifically. So that, that was pretty obvious. However, the state fingerprint analyst couldn't match any prints recovered at the scene to Russell. So you've got all this, this uh, convicting evidence, and then you've got this setback. His prints are not at the scene. Also, Russell was not tested for gunshot residue because the murder had taken place too long before they'd gotten him in the interrogation room, and he'd already showered, and it, it had just been too long. So they didn't have that. Now, by the end of the fourth day of the trial, 22 witnesses had been called, and there would be 35 total when it was all said and done. And one other part of this trial that I think is important is that they the defense tried to place the blame on someone other than Claude Russell, which is pretty common, and that someone was a drug dealer named Rodney Phillips. Okay, Russell said that Chantel Humphreys had been afraid of this guy, Rodney Phillips, because she owed him $500, and she was so scared of him that she even asked to borrow Claude Russell's gun to scare him with it, to scare Rodney Phillips. Now, there is some weight to this, because Rodney Phillips admitted that he started selling crack in Trig, Trig County way back in 1997, and that Chantel Humphreys was one of his drug dealers. And apparently her husband, Joel Humphreys, admitted that he and Chantel used drugs supplied by Rodney Phillips. So all of a sudden there is this alternate theory that's not looking all that far-fetched. So Claude Russell's story is this. Humphreys went over to scare Rodney Phillips with this gun she'd borrowed from Russell, but they ended up killing her when she went over to do this. And then the next day, Rodney Phillips returned his gun to Claude Russell and said, look, if you tell anybody about this or go to the police, we're going to kill you too. In this version of events earlier that day, Russell had gone with Humphreys to drop her car off for repairs, and then he drove her in his car to a house that was near her own, where Rodney Phillips and his associates were waiting in the driveway. And then Claude said, Mr. Russell said, he tried to give her a call the next morning, but she didn't answer. Rodney Phillips denied ever returning a gun to Russell. Um, he also denied having a sexual relationship with Humphreys, even though a mutual friend testified during this case that they did have a sexual relationship. So it sounds like she may have been sleeping with this guy who was supplying her and her husband drugs. It's really turning into a messy situation. And if you're wondering why Phillips would even admit to any of this, he was already serving a seven-year prison sentence for drug dealing, and he probably got rewarded for his testimony or didn't have anything to lose, would be my guess. One of the lead detectives that was on this case from the beginning, Michelle Kent, said they actually did look at Rodney Phillips pretty closely, and they did examine his car, but they didn't find any physical evidence linking him to the murder. Remember, Claude Russell had manure and grass stuck under his car. 
So back to Russell. Another witness was Hollis Alexander, who lived in the area where the body was found. Hollis Alexander. And he said the field where she was found had been used by his family previously for tobacco farming. And Russell, what a coincidence, used to work for his family as a tobacco farmer. And he would have been very familiar with that location. So that's not everything, but that's kind of the highlight reel of the trial. And on September 10th, 2012, Judge Woodall declared a mistrial. He said the jurors were split eight to four, but he wouldn't say in which direction they leaned. Ovi said, quote, we will almost certainly be doing this again. So a little pause from the main story here to talk about what happened with the Trigg County Sheriff that was involved in all this a little bit. So this is some of that drama I was talking about at the beginning between, you know, departments and whatever. So the Sheriff, Ray Burnham, had offered up his own personal reward money in three unsolved murders. This guy was like dying to solve these crimes. He was determined. And in December of 2012, he was subpoenaed. Commonwealth attorney Ovi filed a motion to subpoena Sheriff Burnham to bring his files, notes, and phone logs from the Chantel Humphreys case. Now, this Sheriff Burnham had not been getting along with the Kentucky State Police, not by a long shot. At the time of the Humphreys murder, he was a state trooper, and his desire to find her killer, he said, was one of the reasons he ran for sheriff. But this subpoena really upset him. He said, you know what, all they had to do was call and ask for all this stuff. They didn't need to get the court involved. Ovi was concerned with the behavior of Sheriff Burnham in regards to him offering money out of his own pocket for information on these cases. He thought that was inappropriate. And because Ovi was afraid that Burnham actually was getting information relating to this and other murder cases, he, he was worried that Burnham wasn't passing it along, like he wasn't sharing it with the police. He was kind of turning into this like vigilante character that was just doing it all on his own and not cooperating with the police. Of course, Burnham denied this adamantly. He said, I'm not, I would never withhold information from my colleagues. So in December of 2012, a judge did order the sheriff to turn over all of the evidence he'd collected, and he did, and nothing came of it. I mean, there was nothing there that was like, oh, you've been concealing evidence. But it was the situation itself that just kind of added this dramatic element to what was already a big deal in the area. So I just thought I should mention that. But um, things were pretty stagnant after that mistrial until January of 2016. So, you know, a couple more years later, when Russell was put back on trial again for the murder of Chantel Humphreys. And this time, Commonwealth Attorney Ovi asked to recuse himself. Here's where things take yet another turn. Now, the Commonwealth Attorney who had been involved in this case for now well over a decade was replaced by Attorney Blake Ross Chambers, and this trial would have a whole new angle. 
Kentucky State Police Detective Steve Silfies admitted in court to having investigated Russell without considering any other suspects. He was also, quote, questioned about leads suggesting another possible suspect, Hollis Alexander, who was the chief of police in Cadiz before becoming judge executive. Now remember, Hollis Alexander was the one who testified that Russell used to farm tobacco near where the body was found. And all of a sudden, is this a frame up? Is this a frame job? What's happening? So Silphie has admitted that Kentucky State Police really didn't follow up on any other leads while Russell was sitting in jail because they were sure that he was going to break down and confess. And then he never did. And in a very spicy twist, that sheriff, Ray Burnham, the one that everybody was having problems with, he requested a DNA test be conducted on an unborn fetus Humphreys was carrying for a comparison with an unnamed government official. Because, oh yeah, by the way, Humphreys was pregnant. Yeah, I think it's crazy that in all the articles about this case, nothing mentions that she's pregnant until this one in 2016. It's bonkers. And now they're saying, we think all of this was a cover-up because she was involved with this guy who was a police officer and a government official. So it's, it's kind of crazy. So anyway, I think somehow Russell was out on bond again during this trial. And I'd love if someone could confirm that for me because this is the strangest ending to a story that I think I've ever done. The newspaper articles just run out after this. They stop. The next one that really has any information is from 2018 and it says trig murder suspect arrested for domestic assault in Hopkinsville. So it says there was a disturbance. Uh, Claude Russell was found yelling at this woman he was observed through a window grabbing and shoving her, and then he fled out a rear door uh, when officers knocked and identified themselves, and he was caught after running into a nearby apartment building. So he was charged with fourth-degree domestic assault and evading police. And at the end of this article from 2018, it says his murder charge is still pending, which is a little confusing to me because that second trial started in 2016 so i guess this is a really long trial i mean i'll be the first to admit i'm a little confused about this timeline and if anybody wants to clear it up that would be great but it's it's so weird that this case got so much coverage and then once this new angle came out about this government official it's like buried there's there's nothing written about it what i could find there's one more article from 2020 and it says that in 2019 the case against Claude Russell was dismissed so I do know he wasn't convicted and this time the case was dismissed with prejudice which means he cannot be tried again for the murder of Chantel Humphreys and so in the eyes of the law this case remains an open unsolved murder and if you have any information, please contact the Kentucky State Police at 270-856-3721. And if you don't want to do that, just contact me and I will do it for you. 
That is the unsolved murder of Chantel Humphreys. Thanks again, Brock, for recommending this story. I'm sorry that your grandfather was the one to find her. I'm sure that is something that sticks with him to this day. Uh, it's one of those unpleasant memories you just don't get out of your head. So yeah, if anybody has any thoughts on that case, I'd love to hear them. You can email kyhistoryhaunts at gmail.com or you can slide into my DMs like Brock did. Um, it's kind of funny when a good-looking guy, I mean, Brock is good-looking. I'm not embarrassed to say it. And when I saw him in my DMs, I thought, well, yeah, I will go out with you. But no, it was a topic suggestion, which is also great. So um, yeah, you can reach me that way. Uh, gosh, that's going to be embarrassing. I'm not going to edit it out. I'm not going to edit it out. It's fine. All right. Um, so yeah, follow on social media if you're not already. Uh, Kentucky History and Haunts on Facebook. KY History Haunts on Instagram. Thank you, as always, for listening. And until next time.